So I was able to just talk to Hubie Hercatch, and now I'm pleasure to be joined by his coach, Craig Boynton, who I just found out he calls you CB. Welcome, yes. CB. Thank you. I did Everybody not know that. I've Denver. known you forever and not know you were CB. Yes, that is my uh, been my nicknames for a long time. Okay, long how did time. I not know that? Okay. Anyway. I spoke to you a couple years ago here when you were first starting with Hercat. This was your first tournament with him right. in 2019. Mm-hmm. And what a, what a ways you guys have come. Can you just express what your thoughts were when you first started working hit with him, what your goals were and how those, some of those goals have come to fruition? Right. Uh, well, it's not normal where you start with someone at a tournament and not, and not only a tournament, a Masters 1000. So my goal when we first started was, well, it was a trial week actually. So I didn't know if we were gonna continue. Um, I felt like when I, he, he progressed through the tournament nicely and had a really, really good run here and beat some fabulous players. And I was just observing, I was asking a lot of questions because at that point I felt like I could do a lot more harm than good because I didn't really know him that well. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to observe his game. But there were, there were, I remember uh, second round, he played Pui. And he really should have lost to Pui. I think four all down love 40. And he, then the next round, he should have lost to uh, K down 6-4, four, four all 15-40. Uh, but there were pockets during those matches where he would play it, and I just jaw-dropping. Like, and I always thought, felt like, well, if we can have those pockets that I saw him play, have those periods more frequently then this this kid from Poland uh, could be something really special and so then it was just to get to know him get to know uh, how he processes things how he sees things he he actually see we see things almost completely different okay and the way he he the way he goes about seeing situations and so I had to get used to biting my tongue I had to really just um, Give him, you know, then, then it was, I want to give him a little bit of structure without completely creating imbalance because he plays a lot on feel. He's really like kind of a painter, would say that he just kind of wakes up in the morning and or in his morning would be the tennis court and he'll do things that he sees and feels at the moment, which it's, it's very good, but it's also interesting for me to try to give him a little bit of structure and okay that's maybe not the right time to be so artistic (laughs) with your shot selection um so that's always that's always been um or that was the biggest thing that i had to learn in trying to then be able to to influence him for him to improve and still staying with his style and the way he sees things. Like, he'll hit a ball, well, I'll stand behind him, and I'll say, okay, in my mind, that ball needs to go left, and he'll hit it right. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I didn't see that, but obviously he does. So, and it works most of the time when he when he taps into that artistry? I yes, yes, okay. yes, yeah. There are some times where he gets a little, a little loose with things, and... Uh, for you fans out there, you'll watch him play and you'll go, why did he do that? And then you'll look at me and I'm turning and I'm saying, why did he do that? You know, But that's just Hubie because yeah. most of the time it works out for him. I, I mean, that's <clears throat> that's really impressive, even more impressive now as a, as a coach, <clears throat> the fact that you see things so differently. Like how hard is that or 
what is it that you recognize that allows you in those moments maybe to know to step back or to know when to jump in and say something when, it's just when a, players see yeah. that naturally? Well, just experience. I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes, um, and I've and I've been fortunate where I haven't coached. A, I've coached a lot of people, and some of it was through the USTA, so it wasn't privately. But every time the professional relationship ends, I look back and go, "Okay, well, what did I? What could I have done differently? Or what did I? What did I do well? What did I? I do that probably I look back and go, I needed to. I need to probably not do that in the future." Can you give an example? Sure, exactly. Well, the very first one for, for everyone that wants to be a coach or do something or manage, you have to sit down and find out what that person that you're managing or you're coaching, what they want. And then you ask them what they're willing to sacrifice to get there. And so if you're not on the same page, if, if someone is just good being very comfortable, then that's what you're going to have to implement in in the goals and whatnot because you know tennis it's it's an interesting industry because i'm getting paid by the same person that i coach so i'm maybe more of a consultant you know i don't have the lineup card i don't have the bench like i've said to some players that i've coached if i could i would bench you next week but that's not realistic in tennis right. because you know the paycheck next week <laughs> so you, you have to be more of a consultant and I think in some ways the tennis coaches have to be different. It's different. They've got to be sharper in that way because it's not like I just told you so works in this day and age anyway. You have to have a good relationship even when you do have the lineup card. But at the end of the day, the coach has the lineup card or the front end has a, the GM has the lineup. Someone has the lineup card is making that call. And the player most of the time is not the boss you know in tennis it's that's not that's not the case so there are times when i look back and i felt that you know maybe someone could have done something differently or or changed maybe the way they looked at their career differently um and the the great thing about hubie is we're both on the same page he wants to be if he could get to zero in the world he'd want to he's got just a burning desire to maximize his career and to be one in the world and win every single tournament a thousand times. I mean, so from that standpoint, we're, he's very clear at what he wants, which makes it very easy, easier for me to then set the table for him in terms of all the details that go along getting a player to jump the different levels yeah. and get them in the top 10 and then how do you get them to five and then how do you get them to two and then how do you get them to one and how the heck do you get them to zero <laughs> yeah he's gonna I, mean, I like that comment no but that's what he'd want he'd yeah. want me to how do we get to zero yeah you know how do that's we get incredible yeah yeah even though obviously there's no zero <laughs> yeah, right. well i mean you've you've said so much there like the, I, there's there's a few things i i want to know especially i mean there's such a long list of players that you've worked with and you said you've made quite a bit of mistakes in the past and i'm curious to know what you've learned from those mistakes um there might be quite a few but if you could pinpoint maybe the the top ones that have really impacted how you've coached i'd say the biggest one is you got to be clear on what your player wants and is willing to sacrifice to get it that's the big one and then from there everything falls falls below you could say that you want to be x y and z but then you have to show me that you want to be X, Y, and Z. Because if you're not showing me that, then you're then the, the goals that you said that you want 
are just kind of hollow. So that was something you felt like you didn't do. I didn't in the do. Past, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to get into specifics no, yeah, with yeah. players. Yeah. I mean, I, I will maybe with you when we're Later. off air. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was my mistake. So I was driving someone to where I thought they should go, uh, but they didn't necessarily deep down want to go. Okay. And um, uh, and then I just because it's hard enough it's hard enough to do this and win when you want to win. Um, and so if there's kind of negative energy, I'm saying negative energy, but if, if you're not going in the same direction, I mean, you, we can have hard times and Hubie and I have had some, you know, hard times in terms of results and whatnot, but it's easy because a path we're going the right way. If, if a lot, a lot of times these relationships, uh, these relationships professionally severed because, there's a there's a turn in the in the in the road, and either the coach or player wants to go left or right or whatnot, and they're not on in step, and so then it's just it's really difficult to have that relationship professionally if you're not on the same page. And I mean, this is fascinating to me, but um, like talking about as far as who you've worked with in the past, um, what you've learned. And, and for me, the, the sport in general, how much more physical it's gotten, how much, I mean, I asked Hubie about the, the fitness and stuff like that, but if, if you could go into more detail, like how much has that changed as a coach throughout your career? Like how much more do you focus on the physical if you do? Because if the game, if you feel like the game's gotten faster, stronger, whatever. Right. Well, you know what the, the number one difference from between uh, probably 2010, 2008, and now is rest. Believe it or not, it's rest. Interesting. These players yeah. are are resting more, and uh, one of the things that I'm teaching Hubie is because let, let me back up. So when I was with Hubie here in, in 2019, we literally practiced four and a half hours a day. Okay. He couldn't get enough, and I was trying to make up and learn. I mean, we were bouncing all over town to look for courts, and we were on, now. I've finally gotten to take like two or three days off after when he needs it, and he's not climbing the walls because he realizes that the rest and the recovery is so important not only to his body but to his mind. And like you said, with everything being so much faster and so much more physical and so much more demanding, and and you know you you throw into the mix now everyone towards the end of the year fighting for these spots in Turin. Uh, so there's a lot more of the stress. So if there's more on the front end, there needs to be more on that back end. And that back end is rest and recovery. And, and now he's starting to, he's starting to be, be more than okay when I say, okay, let's put the rackets mm-hmm. up for two days. And uh, we'll start over. Because he's right before That must have been hard for him, for someone he, that wants to get well, to yeah, zero. Well, he, right, but he trusts me. He yes. trusts me. Yeah. And so, you know, QB had a, a, a semifinal run at Wimby. And before that, people might know, he lost six matches in a row. Mm-hmm. And um, he was in the doubles of Hala. And I felt it was really important for him to stay there and try to win the doubles to get some good juju. And uh, they played they played great and lost in the finals. And so that was on Sunday. I said, I'll see you, I think it was Thursday or, I think it was Thursday or Friday before Wimby, I'll see you at Wimby, no hitting till then. And he was like, well, well, I'm like, no, 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 no hitting, relax, go home, have fun with your family. And we showed up 
and he was really rested. And we we didn't get a lot of court time at Wimby because it's tough, you know, on the grass there to get multiple hits and then the weather. So we hit two hours on Friday, two hours on Saturday. He hit one hour on Sunday. And then I think he, I'm not sure if he played. I can't remember if he played Monday or Tuesday, mm-hmm. but he went in fresh uh, physically and mentally. And, and look, he, he and I say you've hit a million tennis balls in your lifetime. Your your tennis is in your head. You won't forget how to play, but you need to. So he trusted. He put the rackets away, and you know he had a pretty good Wimby. So well, yeah. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say that actually, because he trusts you, but that also probably creates an, a deeper level of trust in his game and himself. That's what I'm trying to. You know, my job is to, to educate him, and so he can have self-illumination also. And so, you know, we're not supposed to coach when you play. So it's he's all by himself out there. So those those attributes need need also to be learned and taught. And and once there's on-court coaching, then maybe we can mm. do things. You don't have to be as self-reliant. Right. Um, but until then, these are these are the type of things that I hope that he learns indirectly. What are your views on on-court coaching? I think it should be, I think you should have it. I don't know, there's no other sport, there's no other sport that I can think of that you can't have some communication. Right. And to me, I think, t- for me personally, I think tennis is kind of in the dark ages in a lot of issues. And you look at some progressive leagues all over the world that are they're having some rule changes every year. Hey, if it doesn't work out, we don't always go back. Tennis is just stuck kind of in the mud when it comes to that. And I think you have the traditional, tennis is such a traditional sport, but I think there needs to be some changes um, and why not I mean, I love it when I watch an NBA game or I watch in the coaches mic'd up and you're like, hey, they're rubbing you here and okay, look for this here. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what I look for. I, I think why not have that with tennis? If, if someone could hear the communication that I have with Hubie in terms of that, I think that would not only be more interesting, but it probably helps some players, some people that are playing tennis that, that would be more interested and would help, I think it would, would help for viewership. I think it would only yeah. be interesting. Now, how they do it is the issue, I, right. I agree. But if you if you look at the, the next gen, they have like 16 different changes. To me, that's a little much. <laughs> like, But I, I applaud that they're trying to do something different. Right. Um, and, I, and I just think that, you know, tennis really should take a hard look, starting with on-court coaching. What would it be that you feel like you could help him with if you did go on-court? Well, I think that's, that is um, pertinent to every player. Is, yeah. Because every player, I mean, every, tennis players are people that are really good tennis players. So you'd probably deal with the, the person mm-hmm. as to what's going on. Um, I, I mean, I would first ask him what he sees what he thinks um just to remind him we always have okay this is your a play this is the a play if it's for all 30 all this is your a play and remind him what plays are there or what plays aren't um and and just reassure him that if he had any questions if he doubt, has doubts just you know reassure him that he's doing the great thing or remind him how great he is you know we're all people we all need an attaboy or an girl. you know now and then and um give him a big you know out of boy you know if he needs it you know <laughs> yeah. whatever he needs yeah. and you're trying to figure that out and and i'll know what that is because i have two three four years under my belt with him you know when when i'm some of my former players that i've been i was with for so long i could take 
within the first five seconds and seeing them at breakfast, I know exactly what I had for mm. the day. I mean, that just, it's time and touch. It's like you're being around them all the time so close that you can touch them. So you just are paying attention. And, and you know, when this happened last time, this is the result. So and just, and just um, experience. And you, you touched on one event this year, obviously a big one for semifinals <clears throat> at a Grand Slam at, at Wimbledon. We spoke there mm-hmm. as well because I, I was my eyes were on you because I was impressed with how calm you were when he was playing Roger in particular Mm -hmm. because that was a very emotional match but you did an amazing job of staying calm and you talked about how important that was in that moment because it was such a big moment on the sideline as a coach like do you change that depending on the situation are you pretty much calm well I'm pretty much that's 80 90 percent of the time I'm I'm calm because he needs calm okay no Hubie's a he's a He's kind of an energetic, you know, jumpy kid. Not jumpy, but like he's, you know, he he he's doesn't need, he doesn't need to be looking up at the, you know, I'm like, you know, he's, he's like that, right. and he doesn't need to see me like that. Okay. He needs to see me like we're good, we're calm. Yeah. But like, if I stand up, if you see me standing up, then he'll look at me, and re- that's a standing up because I stay seated. There's something that I really need him to focus on, um, or if I'm I'm animated, um, trying to maybe try to get him going or you know if you can if 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 if, if a person is a little not him but or, or, or meek or timid or, or nervous whatever if you kind of rattle their cage a little bit and get them out of that maybe that helps and they you know get some energy going so you know those those times are few and far between most of the time my my attitude is hey there's another point mm. okay if you're getting so excited about what just happened you're not going to be ready for what's going to happen and so like he, if he gets too pumped up and I'm like this with every player like I'll celebrate with you after you win the finals yeah I'll get I'll get ex- because there's no more tennis right until next week right but until then there's always work to be done right in front of you cuz it's there's you're not in the finals yet you haven't won yet and that's just kind of always been my, my mindset, yeah, my yeah. attitude. So the, the semifinals at Wimbledon, incredible achievement, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and winning Miami, first Masters yeah. 1,000. Mm-hmm. The improvements, and I think, I think as I've been watching him rise, just how well he's been able to deal with maybe pressure, extra pressures, expe- expectations, is that something you talk about openly with a player in general? Yeah, yeah I, of course, of course. And... Um, Anybody that's done something great for the first time knows that it's difficult to do that the first time because there's, there's no personal roadmap to it. You can see roadmap that other people did, and they can tell you, but until you experience it and really understand it for yourself, I'm going to tell them what's coming. And I told them what's coming with the match against Roger. Like, this is what's coming, okay? So you prepare them before. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you're not going to be able to hear yourself think. Mm. The whole world doesn't want to watch Roger lose. And then he says to me after the match, CB, did you, did you hear how loud it was? I'm like, <laughs> do you not listen to anything I say before pretty much? <laughs> no. <laughs> I said, like, this is what's coming. Yeah. But, like, I knew until he's, he experiences it for himself that he's not going to be able to own it. And so it's just talking about what's happening, talking about who he is, what makes him great, what traps that he gets in when he gets trapped, and giving him tools to untrap himself, but also understand he's doing this for the first time. I can't expect him to be perfect, but he expects himself to be perfect. So then it's like, 
okay, you're doing this for the first time. Give yourself a little leeway. It's fine. You know, if he, yes, everyone wants to get to turn. Everyone wants to be zero in the world. You know, not everybody gets to do that. But if you put your best foot forward and do everything that you can do and are true to your best plan, then you're going to improve. And then that improvement will take you to a certain, a certain number. You know, I don't know what number he can be in the world. I just know that when he does things the way that, to the best of his ability, when he's on, he's really he's mm. difficult to right. deal with and tricky to deal with. I mean, you can go through his, go through his wins and look at the people he's beaten. Right. He's beaten. He hasn't beaten Novak. He hasn't played Rafa, but he's beaten pretty much everybody right. else. He lost, lost his Verev. He was up a set in a late, uh, a late break. So, I mean, he was in position. So, um, I mean, he's tricky to deal with. Has he expressed to you anything in particular he's learned from those like big matches that he's played and been able to come through? I don't talk really about that. Oh, uh, okay. No, I don't personally oh, okay. because um, I think, you know, there are some conversations that you have to be invited to, I think. Okay. Um, if I think it's a big issue because... He's got to learn that for himself. Mm. He's got to learn and understand that he is really good. Because that's just the self-confidence. It's like I can, you know, we as, as parents, we want our kids to grow up to be self-confident. And uh, we can tell them. But the, there's no substitute for them going out there and figuring themselves out for themselves. And having that as an accomplishment, which will then build confidence in themselves. So I just kind of leave that to him. And um, if, I, if he invites me to that conversation, we'll certainly talk about it. But in general, I don't, I don't usually bring that, yeah. that up. Well, I, I, it's interesting. I, and I also I love the insight where you said you prepare him for those moments to, to deal with those emotional moments. And I just, I just spoke to him briefly about, because he said he's been asked a lot about Turin, obviously. You know, that's been a, right. a big topic. I guess just the expectation of that. I mean, I think these players play better when they don't have pressure. You know, they say time and pressure right. make diamonds. I get it, but it, to, if you're free and you're flowing and you're in the zone, you're not feeling pressure. So how do you do that as a coach, though? Because you know they're probably going to feel pressure right. at some point. Well, so you, we, like your tactics, right. how do you... We'll, we'll talk about things. Okay. We'll go over the things, the tools that he needs to, to focus on. We're always focusing on something as human beings or tennis players. And that's the food, that's the food for your brain. Like... What food are you feeding it? And, you know, there are just some players that are very good at that. I mean, you look at Novak during the, that U.S. Open run, how stressed he was. And where he would go to on the changeovers, I mean, he went to some places on a changeover that was like, I would love to hear what's going on there. Yeah. But he's found a, a process and a yeah. program for him mm -hmm. to be able to calm himself down and then just to play without consequence. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really the goal, and 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 the 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 players that are bunched up for Turin, the ones that do that the best, are the ones that are most likely going to go. So, um, as far as like getting to that place, does does Hubie have, I guess, like routines on changeovers? Like that was a great example, right? Novak, you you right. see it often yep. on the mm -hmm. court where he all just he just zones in right. and he's able to mm -hmm. all of a sudden get things mm -hmm. together like mm -hmm. he's never going to miss a ball in his right. life. Mm -hmm. Does Hubie or do you have tactics that that work like that in ways to? I mean, not so much in the way of um, um, 
of rituals. It's just more of thought patterns. Mm. What are you What are you focusing on? What is your emphasis? And because you know, some players, the more they think, the less uh, clear the vision, the field comes. And so then it's like, how do you how do you clear the deck of that, and then just get back to seeing the play, and just uh, enough with it, nonsense. Let's let's move on. So every every everybody out here has to deal with that in some way, uh, some fashion. Now, how they do it, that's pertinent to the individual. I feel like a lot of it is getting in the present <clears throat> moment. I, I know a few players have told me that they found meditation has sure. really helped them get. Mm-hmm. Are there any other? stuff that you guys have implemented I mean I know we talked about nutrition a bit I know mm-hmm. you mentioned that he's he's predominantly plant-based or vegan predominantly right. he said he has fish occasionally mm-hmm. um, but he and f- that was a massive win for me thank you very oh, are much are you trying to get him to eat more fish yes okay yes. for what reason protein I mean, obviously yeah I mean the healthy yeah. oils and the healthy salmon is is, is great for him and um, it, it, it helps because it's not always easy for an athlete that's vegan to get enough protein so right. yeah I did I asked him if he took supplements for he does yeah, yeah yeah no he's good he's real I mean yeah. he's professional in everything that he you does he just yeah. I never worry an ounce about him not doing the right mm. uh making the right decision yeah. at, at any time yeah at any time and I, I just want to one more thing about what you mentioned a little while ago about you've discovered rest is one of the things that's massively crucial from a couple like a decade ago right. or whatever mm-hmm. what about sleep because that's something that comes to mind as well mm-hmm. have you is there anything that you focused on in that regard or is it just about taking days off making sure there's enough no days off? i mean it's all part of the whole, whole the whole mix the i whole mean program. we had, it's funny we had the conversation today at practice i said you know you looked a little bit you know i know you don't have to play till when does he play saturday and today's wednesday and, you know, I know that you don't need to be great today, but I just felt that he was just a little bit a half step slow and whatnot. And he's like, I just need an hour and a half more sleep. I'm like, okay, great. We'll clear the deck tomorrow morning. No fitness, nothing. And you sleep until you go to bed early tonight and, and, and you sleep until the last second uh, you can before you come here and be, be prepared to work. And sleep is, is a huge part of it, especially for him. The recovery piece is so important to tennis players, and it's not easy to travel over to Europe to U.S. or U.S. to Europe and play at the highest level within 48 hours. It's just really difficult. Does that change at slams in particular, especially with three out of five sets? No, because slams you you'll play you have lead ups. You have, you'll you'll be wherever you are if you're in Australia or down in Australia two three weeks prior. Mm-hmm. If you're at the French, you're in Europe already playing the clay court. Uh, Wimbledon can be tricky just to get grass because you, you know they're expanding the grass court season. And that's another thing that I would do if I was commissioner of tennis. I'd have a master series on grass. I would expand the grass court season so you got to have more prep. Mm-hmm. And at the Open, you're you know you've got. Toronto, Cincinnati, you, you got those tournaments. That so you're in you're in the states for a month. I, I guess I meant within the two weeks of a slam playing three out of five. If you if you go five set five set five set, I mean it, it's gonna back up. I mean yeah. it will. So you got to be efficient. Um, you look Novak with all the thump, all the things that were going on with him. I mean he had no legs in the finals. He was just exhausted. I think mean, he was emotionally exhausted also. I mean that's a tough task, a tough ask. And you saw kind of him breaking down at, at the Olympics. I think that was and it was hot there. So yeah, I mean it, 
it, it definitely can be an issue. Like, what is it I heard? You can't win a slam in the first week, but you can sure lose it. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're not, um, yeah. you're not clean and take care of your opportunities and when you can win in straight, win in straights. And so, yeah, and so you just kind of save, save the energy. Yeah. And just one, one last question about you in particular because okay. you're very highly regarded coach. Oh, thank I know. you very much. A lot of experience. And you I said know, you weren't going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm still trying. I'm okay. still trying. Okay. But um, you, you've expressed how much you've learned. Um, and I know you've learned a lot from mistakes that you, you said you feel like changed and are now changing. Is there anything else that you, maybe in the last year or two, that you feel like, wow, this is something that's huge that I've learned like recently? Um, I think what... Uh, I'm learning more about Hubie. Okay. And so I, I think in the last year or two, I've got a really, I wouldn't say I have a really good handle on him, but I, I, I've gotten to know his tells pretty quickly. And um, I'm able to head something off that I think that could be an issue if I had missed the tell. Um, and so one of the other things that I've, over, over all I've learned is um, for if anybody's out there that wants to get in, like I said, in coaching or management, if you really want to be impactful, you really should learn psychology and really mm. understand how someone thinks, why they think, why they think that, what's their background. Um, have you studied some of that stuff? Um, I have some really smart friends mm. home that are not in tennis, um, that are doctors, that have... Um, uh, have really helped me. And in full disclosure, I'm an open book. I went to therapy when I was 32. And it was jaw-dropping for me to learn about myself. Wow. Jaw-dropping. Yeah. And so after that experience that I think I went... That's great. Oh, it's amazing. Well, yeah. it was... Then I could say, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't know why I did that. I didn't know... So then I could take that lens onto someone else and see kind of what potholes they're dealing with and help them steer them away from that. So that, that in a sense, because I say w they are players, they are people that are really good tennis players, but they're people. And they're, we're all cut from the same cloth and some people have hangups about X and Y and Z and wh whatever it is. So they're all issues. We all have some issues and we're all gravitating, trying to work to better ourselves. So we're, that's all the same. What the issues are might, might mm. be different. And how you approach those are different because people are different. So that's helped me, I think, immensely. It's immeasurable. It's immeasurable. It's almost like how much are we talking about tennis and the tactics here? Yeah. None, yeah. really. I know. Right. I know. So then, then it, you know, if I show up and just have to. Well, because I feel like everybody's good. So, it, I mean, everyone can play. Everyone here can right, hit a ball. Right, amazing. Right. Well, I, I don't know. And so I want to know what the difference well, is. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's, you know, I've coached primarily, well, almost 99% on the men's side. And I can tell you that it's matchups and the day. Mm. So some guys just match up better against other guys. And it's the day. Who's dealing with what? Mm, if, you, if it's physically, mm. mentally, or something, mm. who got who lost their luggage, or you know who got in the fight, or who didn't get sleep, or who mm. whatever you know whatever it is, that's kind of the day. But it's also about matchups too. So and we haven't even really talked about. That's when it's easy. Yeah. If Hubie, if Hubie's in good stead and yeah. he's flying, and he's in the zone. I don't say anything. I don't want to. 
CB, why don't you say anything? Well, I don't need to. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say anything. I don't yeah. care. Like, you just keep doing what you're doing. Like, you know? So when I don't yeah. have to talk, that's great. Yeah. I said last questions, but I can't stop talking No, please. To you. I've got all day. Seriously. <laughs> No, I, so you just made me think of, like, because so many of the players you used to work with are American players, and now you're working with Hubie, who's po- from Poland. Right. Has that culture impacted how you approach? Or of course. Okay, of so course. how? Tell me how. Well, you know, he, he, you realize that um, Poland was under the thumb of, of communism. Yes, yes. And so some of the some of the decisions or the attitude when it when it when it's too rules or, or guidelines or, or things of that nature he it's a very interesting conversation that we have because that's ingrained on them like if you you know it's really the Polish people are, are wonderful people wonderful but they've been suppressed for you know yeah. I mean it wasn't long ago where they were still that way and so they take they have a different view on some things than than the American culture will and so learning that that's how he is and and so what were those views that you you saw in him um i mean i couldn't say anything specific it's just more like little stuff when it comes to you know like a speed limit you know he 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 loved he's got a mclaren here yeah and i'm like speed limit 70 yeah no 170 170 cb (laughs) it's 170 i'm like it's 70 you know but you know that's a terrible example, but like he's he's got some. They have freedom now, and yeah. they're going to they're going to maximize yeah. that. And yeah. I uh, also totally understand. Yeah, that so that's yeah. just kind of a, a, yeah. a small small way there. Yeah. And um, so it's really been fun and interesting to get to know yeah. his culture and what you know what makes him tick. And you, you know they also say what's our biggest strength can also be our weakness and vice versa. And having him understand that if you kind of get in a certain mindset, is that going to be beneficial long-term for you, short-term for you? Mm-hmm. And, and giving him the okay if he wants to pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to me, has been fascinating. And it's been... I, I've, look, I, I love all the American guys I've worked with. Yeah, of course. All yeah. of them. I was, always wanted to work with uh, someone from another culture, Europe. And... Uh, I'm so blessed and I'm uh, so lucky that it that it that it, it worked out and it worked out quickly. Yeah. So well, you've had an amazing group of guys, I have to yes, say. Yes, amazing. amazing. Amazing group of guys, yeah. It's been and they've all they've all been amazing to me too. Yeah. Um letting me kind of do what I do um and Well, I mean just I mean just we should put it on record that you've coached Jim Kerr, James Mike, Marty Fish and of course uh Sam Quarry, Steve Johnson previously before John Isner. before he, John Isner yeah. of course, yeah. The so big I, is. I, I, yeah. So no, and and you know they was, I I I, I've been the lucky one. Yeah. By by far, I've been I've been the lucky one, and each one is different, and that's been the fun part. Um, I was a little bit over my skis with Jim, and uh, made a lot of mistakes with Jim. If you're listening, Jim, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but he I was like thrown in the deep end of the pool with Jim without yeah. floaties. I mean it was, but it was. I had to catch up quickly. How long were you with Jim again? Uh, I'm going to say maybe a year and a half, two okay. years, maybe okay. somewhere in that nature, yeah. something like that. Um, but like James is different than Marty, mm. and Marty's different than John, and John is different than Sam, yeah, and they really Sam are is different, different than, yeah. than Stevie. You know, Sam and it probably Steve. just makes you a better coach, being able to deal with different personalities. Uh, but it's 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 not so much the coaching side of it. It's like I said, going back before, what I've learned about 
myself to then I can learn about the people Mm. you know what what situations to help them to get into and to steer it's a lot of fun yeah so it's just not like about the tennis yeah it's about when you're dealing with people so when you deal with people you have to know what people you're dealing with yeah that sounded so. That sounded pretty good, didn't that it? That sounded like a perfect ending, actually. <laughs> Look, I, Craig, I've taken enough of your time. I I think that's amazing, what you've shared with us, and I think you know the fact that you were open about that. It's just allowed you to be open with us, sure. and, we, and we really appreciate yeah. your time and generosity. Absolutely, my pleasure. Yeah. my pleasure. Thanks, CB. I'll never say no to you. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that. Okay. Okay. All right. Best of luck. Okay. Thanks, Thanks for having me.